Practically nobody looks forward to a cold winter, unless your name is Vladimir Putin. His hope is that Western Europe will relent before winter, as he keeps planning to withhold oil and natural gas as a political tool until sanctions on Russia are lifted. It was a major retreat starting last weekend. Russian defenses crumbled as Ukraine took back key territory. Retaken, a significant supply hub that feeds supplies to Russian troops left in the east of the country. 200 days into this war, and now again, Russian troops fled, leaving behind great amounts of weapons and ammunition. Retaliation for the surprise victories, Ukrainian power plants hit, leaving areas in the dark. In the UK, the casket carrying Queen Elizabeth II left Edinburgh, Scotland, and her body will lie in state as many thousands pay tribute. Churches, high and low, singing an old hymn with new words for the first time in 70 years. God save the King. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're continuing in a series this week called Royal Faith in light of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. The music underneath me is a hymn called Thou Wilt Keep Him in Perfect Peace, sung as the Queen's coffin was brought into St. Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh, Scotland yesterday. It's stirring, isn't it? The lyrics speak of how God keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on Him. The darkness is not dark, and the night is clear because God is light. And it swells with these rousing words, O let my soul live, and it shall praise thee. The streets in Scotland were lined with thousands of people capturing a glimpse, and today her coffin flying to London, where there will be a huge procession tomorrow as her body is taken from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall. I know some are wondering why all the fuss. Sure, Great Britain is mourning, But why are so many around the world talking about Queen Elizabeth? I recently asked British author and journalist Catherine Butcher that very same question. Well, the Queen travelled around the world and uh, she visited many other countries. Uh, She she worked hard to build relationships with people of all sorts of different uh, nationalities, cultures, religions, she sought to respect everyone. And, and I'm told that whenever she met someone, they felt that they were the only person she was interested in. She, she didn't look over their shoulder to see if someone else was better, to, more interesting in the background. She was looking directly at you if you were the person in front of her. And she was interested in you as a person. So those are some of the reasons that people around the world uh, recognize her. I mean, they, um, in France, they said, uh, she she may be your queen, but for us she's the queen, the only queen, and and for so many people she she was part of their lives for so long. There was one occasion when the queen talked about how she couldn't lead us into battle, but she could give us her heart, and that uh, commitment, that heartfelt uh, service to the nation. As she followed her um, the example of Jesus, she often talked in her Christmas broadcasts about. Uh, how Jesus served and Jesus Christ was was an example of service and and she took that example to heart and sought to do likewise so 
she brought that sense of service. She brought, um, in a sense, a, a motherhood to to her role that obviously a king can't do. And many people look back at her as as the grandmother we all wish we had. Catherine Butcher. She's a Christian. She's a writer and a journalist. And I think she's so right. She did indeed feel like a grandmother to so many. And her gentleness and servant-like actions were motivated by her love and service towards the King of Kings. After the program, I'd like to send you Catherine's book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. It's a book full of colorful photos from her life, rare devotionals written by the Queen, and remarkable stories about her faith in Jesus Christ. I believe this book will inspire you as you look through and read it. So after the program, why don't you call us? Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. Our number is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And you might want to get an extra copy or multiple copies to give to friends. You can also go to our website and see a preview of the book and see how beautiful it really is. You can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now, let's open with the choir of King's College, Cambridge, and a mighty fortress.
the song made famous in the Reformation. Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God here on this Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. We're in a series this week called Royal Faith. You know, yesterday I heard part of a news broadcast that talked about King Charles III. It sounded a bit strange to my American ears because his mother, Elizabeth, was on England's throne my entire life. Most of us, I imagine, cannot remember a time before she became the queen back in 1952. I think the people of the UK are still processing the fact that their longtime queen matriarch is no longer with us. But we know where she is, in the presence of her Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom she had proclaimed her faith. There aren't many places on earth more privileged than Buckingham Palace, but it's nothing compared to heaven. Queen Elizabeth was promoted, just like all of us will be one day, if we trust in Jesus. But you know, not every reign of a queen or a king is a cause for celebration. Sometimes they're just plain terrible, I'm afraid. And when you read the books of First and Second Kings in the Old Testament, well, there are some doozies. Time and again, the kings led the people of God into sin and wickedness. It got so bad that they even started putting idols in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. And many of the things that they should have remembered were lost. Did you ever lose something valuable? It's a terrible feeling. You look and you look, but you can't find what you seek. And sometimes you don't even know you lost something until you found it again. Maybe it's a $20 bill. Maybe autumn comes around and you're breaking out your jacket again after a long, hot summer. Wouldn't you know it? There's money in the pocket. Lost for months without ever being missed. But how glad are you to find it? Well, thousands of years ago, the people of Judah lost something far more valuable than money. Well, I want us to consider one of the more well-known kings of Judah. His name, Josiah. We read about him. In Second Kings chapter 22, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. That's a good start, isn't it? But this is where the story gets a little crazy. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary to the temple of the Lord. He said, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple, and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons, also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But what did Hilkiah the priest say to King Josiah's secretary? I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. Now imagine this with me. The book of the law had been lost. It's mind-boggling how this event happened in the first place, but then one day it just showed up again. So the book was brought to Josiah and read to him. Scripture says when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders, go 
and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us, because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Josiah actually did what he was supposed to do. He went and found a prophet of the Lord. In fact, this one was a prophetess. Her name was Huldah, and she had a message from Yahweh. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people, according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. But there was some good news for Josiah. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So the king gathered the people and renewed the covenant with God. They promised to follow the law of the Lord they had rediscovered and destroyed the objects and altars the people had used to worship false gods. Despite all of these reforms, Judah had already gone too far. The Lord had promised to remove them from his holy land. Josiah would be killed in battle with the Pharaoh of Egypt. Then after his death, the people would once again be led into evil by their kings, even Josiah's very own son. Soon, God brought Babylon in to destroy Jerusalem and carry off the people into exile. But Josiah didn't experience the Lord's judgment. Why was that? Because he was so great and righteous? Because he didn't deserve to be judged? No. Josiah, for all the good he did, was still a sinner like you and me. But remember what Yahweh told him through the words of the prophetess? His heart was responsive, and he humbled himself before God. Or to put it another way, Josiah responded in faith. He heard God's law, and he realized that neither he nor his people had measured up. So he called out to the Lord. He trusted in the Lord as his Savior, he threw himself on his mercy and grace, and God answered him. Josiah was just like Queen Elizabeth in this way. Even though he was royal, he was still a sinner, he needed a Savior, just like Elizabeth did, and they both responded in faith to their holy God's demands. When you and I read God's law, we can't measure up either, can we? Just look at the Ten Commandments. None of us have kept them all for even a week of our lives, much less a day. And God's judgment is coming to the entire earth one day. He's holy. He can't let sin go unpunished. But there's one king who obeyed perfectly. Jesus Christ, God the Son, who came in the flesh. As Paul tells us in Philippians 2, he didn't have to become a servant to save us, but he did. The king of all the universe chose to suffer, to be born in a little town called Bethlehem, to grow up in a carpenter's home in Nazareth. 
He had no place to lay his head when he began his earthly ministry, and he experienced suffering like you and I can scarcely imagine. And he did it all for us. The only one who deserved nothing but blessing and luxury experienced the depths of God's wrath on sin. And he did it because he is our king. He stood in our place as our representative. And where he goes, we get to go as well. So what are we to do? How can we know that we will escape the fire on that final day? Only by faith in Jesus. God brought his wrath to Judah, but Josiah was spared because of his faith in his Savior, his trust in Yahweh. And today, the very same God offers salvation to all who believe in Jesus and trust in his life, death, and resurrection in their place. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Josiah was saved. Elizabeth was saved. But have you called on the name of the Lord? The 23rd Psalm was one of Elizabeth's favorite things to not just hear, but to also sing. And what does it say? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For all of us who trust in Christ, the King of Kings is also our Good Shepherd, and He leads us even through the valley of the shadow of death. This is our King. Thank you.
a version of the 23rd Psalm that the Queen of Great Britain loved so very much. John Rutter wrote it. The Cambridge singer sang it. The King of Love, My Shepherd Is, based on the 23rd Psalm. Many this week are reflecting back on the life of Queen Elizabeth II. Her 70-year reign, her gracious service was seen by all, but the legacy she wanted to leave behind was simple. This is a quote. I serve the King of Kings because he first served me. And when you read Catherine Butcher's book, Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service, I think you'll clearly see her dependency on Jesus Christ. It's filled with photos. It contains rarely seen prayers written by the Queen. This book points to her vibrant faith in the Lord. And the book is laid out in a magazine format. I think you'll enjoy it. Even more, you'll be inspired by her love for Jesus. So call us right now. And if you'd like to get some extra copies to give away, ask about that when you call and make your gift at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website. Look at the sample pages from this unique book, Our Faithful Queen, and then make your gift at haventoday.org haventoday.org. And if you wanted to, but just didn't get to, we still have copies of the book or the audiobook of A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. How Tolkien and Lewis rediscovered faith, friendship, and heroism in the First World War. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we'll share together this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. I'll never forgive her. Never, the man told a friend of mine. It was an unexpected conversation. He had worked in the same office complex, but suddenly he was telling my friend how his sister had embezzled money from his company and gotten away with it. The unforgiveness in his own heart was eating away at him like poison. But the truth is, withholding forgiveness is something we're all tempted to do. It hurts the other person, yes, but it hurts us too. What a contrast Jesus gives when Peter asks if he should forgive up to seven times. And Jesus responded, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. My point, your forgiveness of others will never exceed what God has forgiven you in Christ. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit GetAnchor.com.